Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning service. Although we are physically scattered as a church, we are united by our faith in Jesus and by our love for him and for one another. Walking in truth and love is the theme of the the sermon this morning as we look at the second book of John together. Love can mean different things to to different people, Uh, but in his first letter, John describes the love of God in this way. I'm going to read from uh, 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, with that in mind, let's come to God in prayer at the start of our service together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that although we have all by nature rejected your love and authority over our lives, you have still showed your merciful love towards us. Although we deserve death, you sent your son to die that we might have life, life in all its fullness. And so we come before you this morning to express our grateful praise and worship and to learn how we can better love you and better love one another. We pray that your spirit would be with us, helping us to walk in truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're now going to have our Bible reading, which comes from the second letter of John. And Juanita Hughes is going to bring that for us. And then after that, Lisa Elliott will lead us in our prayers. To John, the elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing to you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. Let us pray. Father in heaven, We praise you that we can worship together this morning. 
We praise you that we can freely sing songs of truth, that we can hear from different people in our church family and that we can hear from your word. We pray that all these things would encourage our hearts today and lift your name on high. We thank you for our church family. And even though we are separated physically, please, God, unite us in the gospel and help us to grow closer to you and closer to each other. Please help us to genuinely love one another and walk in the truth together, especially during these strange times. Help us to be creative and intentional in how we urge each other to keep your truth at the centre of our lives. We thank you, God, for the church members meeting on Thursday and the chance it was to look back at this past year. God, you know the struggles and frustrations and discouragements that we felt both individually and as a church. Father, please comfort those who have struggled and who are still struggling at the moment, whether with a physical illness, a mental illness, loneliness, uncertainty, worry, and those who have lost people close to them. With these and all those on our hearts, whether they feel close to you or far from you, know the deep peace that only you can bring and know that you love them. God, we also have so much to give you thanks for in the past year. Um, we thank you for more people being able to engage with the church online, for more opportunities to pray together, for the online mission week, and for being able to reach out to friends and neighbours in the community. Thank you that amidst the mess of the world around us, that you are wonderfully at work. And we pray that many would put their trust in you through the life and witness of this church. Father, we acknowledge that all good things come from you. And as we look back, we thank you for providing all that we have needed financially as a church this year. Please accept our offerings as worship and we pray that they be used wisely to grow your kingdom. Thank you for the missionaries that you have enabled us to support. Please, Father, sustain them and encourage them in their ministry as they support evangelists, as they do radio broadcasts to teach the Bible and as they provide literacy teaching materials. Please would you provide for them in every way and help them to depend on you. We continue to pray for our world and those in leadership as they make decisions about COVID. Um, we give you thanks that progress has been made on a vaccine um, and the hope that that has brought to many. But we pray ultimately that lives will be changed by understanding the certain hope that the good news of Jesus brings. So, Father, however we're feeling at the moment, help us to powerfully know your goodness today. And please speak through your word to help us become more like Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Father God, we do praise you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. And we thank you that your word reveals that to us. And so we do pray now as we come to it that you would show us the truth contained in your word that we will be those who are able to walk in the truth and walk by love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the uh, church members' meeting on Thursday, the, the elders uh, shared what we think we should be focusing on as a church in the year to come. 
Uh, one of those things is our holiness. Uh, what it means to be distinctive and set apart for God in a world that is increasingly rejecting him. What is it that makes us as his people different? Uh, are we going to, to highlight those differences with confidence? Or like an embarrassed teenager, and we've all been there, are we going to try and hide them and blend into the world because we don't want to be different? What other things that make us different? Well, there are two key things in the letter of John that we'll be looking at this week and next as we continue this series. And they are truth and love. Two themes which we see through throughout John's first letter. And you may say, well, why do they, truth and love, make us any different from the rest of society? Surely everybody thinks truth and love are good things. Well, I think most people would agree that truth and love are a good thing until they come up against something that they value more than those. For example, children are taught um, uh, generally that it's important to tell the truth. But at some point or other, as they grow up, they will be tempted to tell a lie. That may be because they, they are afraid of getting into trouble. Maybe it's because they want to appear good in the eyes of their friends. Maybe because they want to get something that is more important to them. And so truth gets relegated in its importance. And those reasons for lying continue throughout our lives, even when people get to the top, or uh, maybe particularly when they get to the top. Back in July, the Washington Post claimed that Donald Trump had clocked up 20,000 false or misleading claims during his presidency. Well, the reason why we as Christians should always tell the truth is because our reason for living is not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. And he is a God of truth who cannot lie. Ultimately, he is the only one who knows whether what we are saying is the truth or not. But what about love? You know, surely if you're not a Christian, you still believe in love. Even the Beatles said, all you need is love. Well, it depends on what you mean by love. For most people, love is something you fall in and out of. Love is something that happens. Um, it's not something you have to work hard at. It's not something that should stop you enjoying yourself. It's not something that you should have to commit to or something that is exclusive. Well, Christian love is very different, isn't it? Christian love is about sacrificing our needs for the sake of someone else. And Jesus was the best example of that when he gave his life for us, when we weren't particularly lovable. Love, as described in 1 Corinthians 13, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. How often do we see that sort of love? Well, let's come to the letter um, that we're going to look at this morning to John. It's um, believed by most commentators to be written by the Apostle John, who also wrote the Gospel of John and the first letter of John. And in this letter, he simply refers to himself as the elder. And he's addressing this letter to the lady chosen by God and to her children. Again, that is uh, understood by most commentators to be a reference to the church rather than to a particular person. And the children are therefore members of the church. 
And he refers to uh, the sister later on at the end of the letter as therefore referring to another church. Similar to the uh, references to Israel in the Old Testament as wife, bride, mother, daughter, etc. Well, there are a number of questions that the letter throws up that we're going to try and answer this morning. And they are, what is the truth? And what has truth got to do with love? And who or what exactly do we need to watch out for? Well, let's start with the first of those. What is the truth? Well, the truth is that Jesus is the Christ. John writes in his greeting, uh, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. And a couple of verses later, he writes in verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. In each of these times, he mentions truth. It's the truth. Truth is expressed as an absolute. Something which cannot change uh, according to changing culture or society, but which is still true in every country in the world and every period of history. So what is this truth? Well, John doesn't actually explain it in this particular letter, uh, presumably because these people already know what it is. And so to find out what it is, let's go back to the first letter of John, to chapter 2, verse 20. And there it says this, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The truth is that Jesus is the Christ, or the the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, the anointed one who has prophesied many hundreds of years earlier to come and save humankind from sin and death. John is saying, if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, then you're a liar. Well, coming back to to 2 John, we see that John makes a similar reference here in verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. To deny that Jesus came in the flesh is shorthand for denying that Jesus is God who came in the flesh. In other words, he's just a man. A good man, a wise man, but but just a man. So why is it so important to believe that Jesus is not just a man, he's actually the son of God? Why can't he just be a prophet or a, or a good teacher? Well, because he would only then be human. If he's not God and he's only human, he would be tainted by sin, as every other human is. If you're tainted by sin and you, you died for the sake of others, your sacrifice is not going to be sufficient to deal with the sins of the whole of humankind. Just as in the Old Testament, God required the sacrifice of a, a lamb without blemish. It's only the sacrifice of a sinless person, the lamb of God, that will deal with God's wrath. Another question that comes up from often from people is, uh, isn't Jesus just a different way of getting to God? 
Um, surely we, we all worship the same God. Uh, the Jews are still worshipping the same God. They're just still waiting for the Messiah to come. The Muslims also worship the God of the, the Old Testament. The thing is that Jesus didn't suddenly appear in the New Testament. It's not that before then there was just the Father, then Jesus came, then the Spirit came. All three existed and lived in total harmony before the world was created. In John's Gospel it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later it says, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. If you therefore take Jesus out. You're no longer worshipping the same God. It's like saying oxygen is the same as water. Because they, they both contain oxygen. They're quite different things. Another person may say. Well isn't it arrogant to claim that you know the truth. And everyone else is wrong. Well, everybody claims to know the truth in some way or another, in which case everybody is arrogant. By saying all religions lead to God, that is an an absolute statement of what you believe to be the truth. If someone says there is no God, they believe that to be the truth. So if the truth, as we're told in the Bible, is that Jesus is the Christ, then what does it mean to walk in the truth? Which brings us to our next question. What has truth got to do with love? Well, truth and love go hand in hand. In verse 4, John writes, It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. To walk in the truth is firstly to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And secondly, to be obedient to him. When we see people doing that, As John says, it gives us great joy. When we are doing that, it gives great joy to others. Well, what are the commands that God gives us that we have to obey? Look at verse 5. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing to you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. As John says, he's, he's not coming up with a new command here. He's simply reminding them of the original command that he's mentioned five times in this first letter, to love one another. So what is this love? This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Well, let's break that down. To walk in truth is to be obedient to the commands of God. The commands of God are to love one another, to walk in love. So to love is to walk in obedience with his commands. Therefore, you can't walk in the truth without loving one another. The two go hand in hand. But what happens if you do try and separate them? Maybe not deliberately, but without realizing it. What does truth look like without love? What does love look like without truth? Well, as John Stott said, our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by truth. Our truth hard if it is not softened by love. Let's look at some of the examples of that. Love without truth. We love without truth 
when we try not to cause offence. We don't want to hurt someone. We, we don't want to lose their friendship. We, we see them doing something which goes against God's commands in the Bible, behaving in a way which we know is not godly, but we turn a blind eye to it. You know, we, we think we're being loving, but actually by failing to confront them, we're being unloving. Because the most loving thing we can do is to help someone become more like Jesus. As we're told in Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. True love sometimes means having to be tough and risk-causing offense. But what about uh, truth without love? The truth without love is all about keeping the rules. There's no compassion or understanding or help for those who are struggling. There's no learning from your mistakes. You, You do it this way or you're out. It's to forget that Jesus came to carry our burdens, including that of guilt and that of feeling a failure. I don't know if you've seen the film Apostasy about a Jehovah's Witness family uh, set in Oldham in the north of of England. Well, in the story, the older daughter um, becomes pregnant and is what they call disfellowshipped. Um, And the people are not allowed to have any contact with her at all. And so just when she needs their help and support, um, she's abandoned and left on her own. In many ways, Jehovah's Witnesses are similar to us. You know, they treat the Bible or the translation of it uh, seriously. Um, but they make two crucial mistakes. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, so they're not walking in the truth. And they're not walking in love. They, they fail to understand the grace of God, his undeserved loving kindness. And so it becomes a religion of works, trying to make oneself acceptable to God. For which the end result is that you're never sure of your salvation. Well, having emphasized how important both truth and love are, John goes on to warn the Christians about being led astray. So who is it, or what is it exactly, that we need to watch out for? Watch out, he says, for the deceivers who do not walk in truth and love. At that time, there were many missionaries or itinerant evangelists who were moving from, from place to place, taking advantage of the hospitality of the local believers. Hospitality is a, an important thing to do as Christians, as we'll see next week in, in 3 John. But John warns them that there will be those who are not preaching the truth. He says in verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. And I guess the question is, well, how do you spot the deceiver? The very nature of the word suggests that they're going to be hard to, to identify. Well, one obvious way is to look at what are they teaching about Jesus? Are they teaching about Jesus? Are they teaching that he is the Christ, the Son of God? Now, you think that's a pretty basic doctrine. Um, but you'd be surprised how many people in our country do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm not talking about atheists here. I'm talking about those who call themselves Christians. In a survey carried out after the last census, uh, nearly half of those who identified themselves as Christians said that they did not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Catholic ministers in the Anglican Church who do not believe in the resurrection or the virgin birth. There are others who do not believe that Jesus pays the penalty for our sins on the cross, that he stood in our place. If you go on the internet, you'll find all sorts of teaching. So how do you know if someone's a deceiver? Well, the simple answer is by knowing the truth more clearly. As Colin was saying the other week, we need to take more seriously the study of the Bible and uh, and Christian doctrine. It's not an academic exercise. It's a means of deepening our relationship with God. How often have you gone to a funeral and discovered something new about someone? Someone you thought you actually knew so well. I learned things at Marvina's funeral this past week that I never knew about her. It leaves you thinking, doesn't it? If, if only I'd known that about him or her before, you know, it would have helped me to know them better. But the consequences of not truly knowing God are serious. As John continues in verse 8, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. What is it that they've worked for? Well, in John's Gospel, read how Jesus, after feeding a crowd of 5,000, he tells them this. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And the crowd asked him, what must we do to do the works that uh, God requires? And Jesus answered this. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is the work we're called to do, to believe in Jesus and what he's done for us. And the reward is eternal life. We can't afford to throw that away by losing our faith. And that means we must be careful not to make the mistake of thinking that we're, we're not vulnerable to false teaching. Verse 9 says, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. The teaching of Christ in the New Testament has been around for, for 2,000 years. When someone comes up with something new that they think everybody else has missed, should ring alarm bells. But deception is not just about whether Jesus is the Christ. It's to do with how we determine the truth. To say the deceivers have gone out into the world is to say they're more influenced by the teachings of the world than by the word of God. They will therefore seek to undermine our belief in the authority of the Bible. When people start to twist the Bible to see their purposes, we, we have to be on our guard. We may not like everything that is written in the Bible, but we're called to trust that it is the truth, that it is the word of God. So in any discussion, we need to start with the infallible word of God and not with what society is saying. And so John warns the Christians to whom he's writing, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. You might not be able to stop their false teaching. He was saying, just as today, we might not be able to stop atheists like Richard Dawkins peddling their lies. But don't be a part of it. Don't allow it to to infiltrate the church. That's why, as a church, we have a statement of faith. 
These are the truths that we all believe if we are members of the church. The sad thing is that it's often not those major beliefs that divide a church. But the secondary issues, or even differences about um, what we think is wise or, or unwise. And that is how the deceiver doesn't just try and stop us walking in the truth. He'll stop us walking in love by calling us, causing us to fall out with one another. Sometimes we can be so convinced that uh, something is the right thing we should do that we present it as a, as a thing we must do, rather than actually this is something we think would be a wise thing to do. Let's talk about it, let's discuss it, let's pray about it. It's often not even just the, the difference of opinion that, that divides believers, but the way people communicate with each other. It's interesting how John finishes this letter in verse 12. He says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to, to use paper and ink Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Dealing with sensitive subjects is always best done face to face to avoid any misunderstanding or causing offence. But when we do write or in our parlance probably send an email to a fellow believer, maybe to challenge them, let's be careful about our choice of words. Let's remember they are a brother or sister in Christ. It's more important that we show respect and encourage them than somehow win an argument. When we receive a rebuke, um, or even a piece of advice which we think is is wrong, or we feel is is somehow patronizing, let's be careful that we don't respond defensively. But remember that that person, um, however clumsily they may do it, is doing it for the best of intentions, out of a love for us. In this letter, John has concern for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not trying to prove a point or win an argument. He's expressing concern for their eternal security. So rather than getting wound up by people's different um, personalities or idiosyncrasies, let's focus on the truth that binds us together. Let's seek to build one another up in the truth as we show love to one another. Our love for our fellow Christians shouldn't depend on on how nice they are, how encouraging they are, what acts of kindness they've done for us, how similar they are to us. They may be a pain as far as we're concerned, but we love them because Christ loves them. So as we go into this week, let's seek to love one another. Let's seek to enjoy one another. Let's think about who we can be in contact with, who we can encourage. Maybe someone with whom we we don't have much in common. Maybe even with someone we find hard. Let's be a community that is walking in truth. A community that is walking in love. A community that is enjoying one another. Let's do that as we look forward again to being in the place where we are walking and worshipping face to face. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your church. We thank you for your church that meets in this place. We thank you for the family of this, of all sorts of people of all ages and all backgrounds. Thank you for what it is that we have in common, a belief that Jesus is the Christ, 
And we thank you that you have revealed that truth to us. Lord, help us to continue to grow in the knowledge of that truth. Help us to look out for those who would try to lead us astray, but to continue to rely on your word, that it is your infallible word, which is for, for, for our benefit. It brings us life. And Lord, as we grow in that truth, help us to grow in our love for you and for one another. We recognize that whatever the differences that we have, that they're often minor. Help us to be respectful towards one another. Help us to seek to build one another up as we love and walk together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's close now uh, by saying the grace together. Uh, We might be saying it in your own home together, but we're all united in these words. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.